everyone, and welcome to the first ever Loudwire podcast. We're celebrating five years of Loudwire here, and what better way to do it than to bring you a new podcast for your lovely ears. My name is Graham. And I'm Joe. Yes, with my lovely co-host, Joe. And today we've got the one and only Zach Wilde in the studio, the probably the greatest guest we could ever hope for our first podcast. So we're we're so happy to have him here. Yeah, Zach's always so much fun and so easygoing, and it's going to be fun getting a lot of different topics with him. And I know he's going to bring up some silliness. Oh yeah, some silliness <laughs> for sure. He's great. Uh, also, we want to introduce to you a signature segment that we're going to be using for this podcast. Hopefully in the indefinite future. It's called Rocker versus Writer, where we, the writers, debate rock and metal musicians, and we discuss rock and metal's most essential topics, uh, as you would do with your friends, only in this case, our friend is Mr. Zach Wild. So I'm excited to hear about that. Yeah, I mean, I've been arguing with my friends half my life about this stuff, so it's cool to finally get some insight from somebody who's kind of invested in all these camps and more so in the musician side of the world and all the stuff that we love and adore, but they're living it. Yeah. So it's going to be cool to get a different side there. Exactly. And the first topic today with Zach is, of course, the Aussie years versus the Dio years of Black Sabbath, a discussion that's been happening since the dawn of creation. Uh, So I don't know if you know this, but... Well, you probably know this part. Uh, Black Sabbath is Zach's all-time favorite band. And this is what you may not know, is that Zach's first concert, I believe, was Black Sabbath, but with Dio singing. So I'm wondering how that may play into his argument when we get into the discussion. Yeah, because a lot of times when you see a band live and it changes your whole perception on something, especially with Zach being, you know, Playing guitar for Ozzy Osbourne. <laughs> sure, yeah. Of course, of course. I mean, I'm sure he's kind of wowed by the Dio thing. So that's got to weigh heavily, too. You know, your first concert and how impactful that is versus a guy that you played with for like 20 years. Yeah, exactly. So Zach will be taking the side of the boss, Ozzy Osbourne. Joe will be taking the side of Ronnie James Dio. It's the Loudwire podcast. Let's do it. Let's go. All right, everybody, Loudwire Podcast. We have Zach Wild here with us today, man. Thank you so much for dropping by for our first ever podcast. We appreciate Hi there! <laughs> <laughs> We're here to rock! Exactly, always. We're bringing the good time. Always. <laughs> oh, that's what I always we, tell the wife when I get home. Yes, <laughs> I'm waiting to be happy. <laughs> Did you bring me anything? Yeah. And that's when I pop about maybe two to 300 milligrams of Viagra, and I say, yes, I have brought the party. She call you Mr. Tinker Train? Yes. Well, you know, my heart flutters a couple times, but everything everything else, <laughs> the parties, it's a good time. How is the prostate these days still, I mean, cause, because of all the, uh, the Van Halen, the Black Sabbath, get your fist up there, it's always good? Yes, without a doubt. All right, good. It's all Perfect. good. I, I just love the fact that at the uh, the Ozfest meets Notfest press conference, like the one thing you say, of course, you talk about the man root and the Kim Kardashian. And yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Well, you know, I mean, it's, uh, you know, because everyone was talking about, you know, their awesome Sabbath memories, you sure. know, as a kid. And I said, well, you know, I mean, to this day when I still put Sabbath on, I, 
I enjoy <laughs> stripping down, buck naked, greasing myself up, oh, just okay. putting on my favorite Sabbath album and just, you know, giving myself a prostate exam while I smash my man root and, and find out that I'm regular. Of course, the you know, man root also. So, no, listen, it's called multitasking, man. <laughs> and, you know, because you really, you got so many things going on in the day. You know, you're, 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 it's the simple things in life like that. The enjoyment of Sabbath and a prostate exam while smashing a man root and just bursting with country freshness. <laughs> you know, you don't take those things for granted. You just you enjoy every one of them and it makes you feel good to be alive. Of course, I'm watching that live while it's happening and I'm waiting for you to say something. I'm like, of course, Zach talks about the man root. You have stuff. to, man. Like, you just, yeah. you got to. It made me very happy, I must say. Uh, and smashing the man root happens to make you very happy as well. <laughs> it does. I, I picture it uh, on a fairly regular basis. Uh, and coming up, another exciting thing. You're going to be opening for Guns N' Roses in Arizona. Yes. Uh, August 15th at, uh, I think, the Arizona State Football yeah, Stadium. Yep, the stadium, yeah. My God. It's going to be cool, man. It's going to be amazing. I, I think it's great. The guys are out there doing it. And everything. It's, it's great for the whole community. You know what I mean? For, for the I whole agree, rock yeah. community. So it's, it's great. Yeah, Great for everybody. The fans are, are so happy. I mean, and you're going to be playing in front of 63,000 people at this thing. I mean, I, I just saw Paul McCartney at a baseball stadium. It was incredible, and that was only 43,000. So uh, Guns N' Roses it just shows you the power that they still have and that they can bring so many people in and make so many fans happy still with that environment. Are you looking forward to that show? That's because it's quality product, folks. Absolutely. Oh, <laughs> God. I mean, it's the no, most but, uh, quality. No, it's just amazing songs, man. You know what I mean? So it's just, uh, yeah, it's, it's not by mistake that they're there. I mean, it's just, no. it's awesome songs, man. So, uh, and uh, no, I'm really looking forward to it. You know, I'm, I'm buddies with all the guys. So, uh, you know, we've done shows with... Uh, I with Slash, I've done with you know with Miles and the guys and stuff like that. Yeah. With Black Label, and then we've done gigs with with Axel and the and the guys. So uh, yeah, so it's it's great now that you know you got Duff and Slash up there and the rest of the fellas. So it's it's gonna be yeah, I'm looking forward to it, man. Yeah. And then you know sitting there watching the guys throw down. So it's it's, it's all win win. It's gonna be great. When when's <clears> the last time you played a football stadium? Actually, we did a gig in Poland not too long ago. It was six hundred thousand people. Oh my god! Yeah, that was pretty awesome. Was that a I mean, yeah, I mean, like show? with the boss, you know, when we did when we did that Moscow Peace Festival, that was a hundred thousand each day, so that was pretty insane Absolutely at the stadium. Ridiculous. So then, you know, then we do like Download Fest, that's like a hundred and twenty thousand people. But I mean, six hundred thousand people was pretty out of control. God, yeah, can you even it's see? just a sea of people? Man. You can't I mean, even see the back, can you? No, no, it's just I mean, I got, we got footage of it. It's just it looks. Like, beyond silly, man. But, and I mean, yeah, it was just beyond awesome, though. And how far back everybody is, but how far out they're spread, yeah, too. I mean, totally. you look at how narrow the stage is and then how far people are out on the left and totally. the right. And then, obviously, you have the PA stacks leveled, you know what I mean? So oh, like, God. Because otherwise, you would never even hear anything from, sure. you know, from all the way further back, you know what I mean, in the video screens and everything. But it was, it was yeah, I was down with the, the Polish power chapter down there. But it was, yeah, it was, some, uh, it was called the Woodstock Festival. So, uh, but, yeah, it was pretty, that was pretty awesome. Yeah, that's absolutely beautiful. I know that you've, uh, as you said, you've been a longtime friend of those guys uh, of Slash. I remember you very vividly playing some Hendrix with him on stage. That was just absolutely amazing, you and Slash. No, yeah, I, mean, was, I think that was uh, at uh, Gibson. Uh, I forget, it was, it was some anniversary show, but it was it was for Gibson. And yeah, it was just Slash was up there and Henry the pre you know, president, love Henry and 
Henry was up there jamming. So I mean, yeah, it was a good time, man. For sure. Yeah, I mean, you and him doing Voodoo Child just absolutely that just blows my mind. I, I just love watching that. And of course, uh, way back when you jammed with Guns N' Roses, kind of the the storied tale of you uh, back way back when in the day, you and Axel and, and Slash and everything. So. Uh, when you were in that room and when you kind of see them now, what can you say about the power of those guys' chemistry as a band? Well, I mean, uh, to me, I you know, there are Led Zeppelin. You know what yeah. I mean? So For sure, without a doubt. And, and Stones, you know what I mean? So, I mean, they are. So, uh, and it's just, um, that's why I said it's it's great that they're, they're back together. And I mean, hopefully they do a record, man. I mean, after you know, after the tour's done and everything like that, and they make an album and keep rolling. I mean, because like I said, it it's just great for the whole rock and roll community that they're back together and they're out there killing it. So uh, I think it's great. Yeah, it is great because uh, unless unless you're the Foo Fighters, then you're you're probably not playing stadiums every show. You know what I mean? So to well, have a band like Dave that, and the fellows do stadiums as well. They were doing you know. Well, so, yeah, they, yeah they, they don't have any problems either. I no, think. they're doing. When great, I got up yeah. and jammed with Dave at his birthday bash, I guess because uh, me and Dave have the same birthday, so Father oh. Dave called me after he goes, Zach, can you come out for this thing? I think they he said he put it up on sale at the Forum. I think they sold out in like I don't know two and a half minutes or something like that, and that was just like somebody just mentioned it you know what i mean it was they weren't even promoting it man you know what i mean it was just dave's birthday bash so uh no and and like you said i mean for all the bands that are doing great it's just great for the whole rock community i mean whether it's five finger death punch disturbed uh event sevenfold foo fighters i mean all the guys so you know it's it's great for everybody yeah absolutely uh i i heard an amazing story about uh, with you and, and Axel, it was about it was a while ago back in your drinking days, and you were in a studio, uh, probably about thirty beers deep, prank calling Axel Rose on the phone. <laughs> Wait, crank calling? <laughs> Fra- Axel? Prank calling, giving giving him a call. I think it may have been to his manager, but just in the studio, uh, rolling like thirty beers deep. Prank I don't know about Axel this, Rose. but all, all, I mean, I don't know about any crank calls. I wouldn't crank call him. I would just. <laughs> no. I, I, what you call your drunken buddy phone calls at 3.30 in the morning, you know what I mean? I, I don't crank phone call anybody, so I mean, I ain't got time for that crap. I mean, I just call my buddies up and just, then they go, idiot, go back to sleep or, you know, go have another beer. What are you waking me up at 3.30 in the morning for? But uh, no, it's just, um, no, but I remember, I remember uh, what Axel was working on, we were down at Rumbo Studios and he was jamming on some stuff with, with the guys at the time. This is like 2000 or 2001 when we were doing Stronger Than Death with Black Label. And uh, I was playing him some of some of the stuff we were doing, you know, and he was just jamming some of the tracks they were working on. So all I remember, I was playing like 13 Years of Grief, Rust, and a bunch of things that were on that album. And he actually goes, Zach, what market are you trying to reach? I go, uh, you know, farmer's market. You know what I mean? That's what, <laughs> that's what we're going with, man. <laughs> awesome. And, you know, uh, speaking of uh, you're performing with Axel, uh, I remember you playing a whole lot of Rosie with him on stage in I think 2011. 2011. Yeah, and it was great. And that's such a weird prelude to him becoming the new singer for ACDC. So. Well, I mean, the whole funny thing is, I remember when everyone was getting all pissy about it, and they were like, "I can't believe Axel saying." I was just like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> I mean, it's just like, it's like any football team going. I can't believe we're getting Joe Montana. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, well, are you for real? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's about as ridiculous as that. So, I mean, the whole thing is, 
I mean, like you said, when we, me and Ashley, when we were, we would, when we were hanging doing, uh, when we were just playing each other's stuff from new things we were doing, you know, we were just talking about all the bands that we love and all the musicians we dig and and all our favorite guys and whether it's Elton John and you know talking about Randy Rhodes and you know St. Rhodes over there and Zeppelin and ACDC and everything like that but no I mean like I actually say man you know Bon Scott was my guy and this and that you know like I yeah. love Bon and everything like that you know what I mean as far as like rock front men and everything like that when we were talking about all the guys that either uh, all the musicians that inspired us you know what I mean so uh yeah, so it's 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 a perfect. It's just like you know when I got the gig with with the boss, it was because I mean a, a whole bunch of other guys were down there. They were just like, oh, I heard the gig pays well. I hear this and that, and you know I'll be on the covers of the magazines and everything. Like they were just there solely just for the paycheck and whatever it was going to do for their career. Not not because they wanted to put the Yankee pinstripes on and be honored wearing them. Yeah. Like I, I mean, I was just there because I had pictures of Thurman Munson up on my, you know, on my, on my, on my wall, and I wore number fifteen, and I was a catcher, and, and the whole nine yards. And now I'm actually playing for the New York Yankees, and I'm catching for them where my hero stood. Yeah. So it, that you know, so that was my thing getting with the boss is just because my love for Sabbath, my love for Oz and Randy when they started doing the whole. Like I'm a massive mega fan, and I'm I'm actually like mind blowing I'm in the band now so you know what I mean as opposed to just like these other clowns were just down there for a paycheck they couldn't even care less man about Ozzy's music or you know uh, Sabbath or anything like that so um, to me where it was like it's sacred stuff you know what I mean so for Axel I'm sure he's beyond honored that he's up there jamming with Angus and you know the guy so it's just uh yeah, it's a pr- and I, his, he's singing his ass off. I mean, so what? I mean, how is this a bad thing? Once again, it's like, yeah, yeah, Joe Montana's going to be our quarterback. This is terrible. <laughs> I think a lot of the uh, uh, the skepticism was more like, well, it's like Joe Montana if he came out of retirement today and started passing. Yeah, well, he'd still be whooping ass if Joe Montana. <laughs> I'll still take Joe Montana. Bro. I'd still put some bets on him for sure, you know. And but being so close to Axel on stage and being part of him playing a whole lot of Rosie and him singing a whole lot of Rosie. I mean, you must have known immediately as the news broke that he was going to be the ACDC's new guy. It's like, oh, he's got this in the bag. Without a doubt. Yeah, absolutely. I, every night we, we did the shows when we were all when we sang is sang amazing every night. So uh yeah. It, it's it's a it's a perfect fit. You couldn't ask for you know, because he's he's the last of the great front men, man. For sure. Without a doubt. So it you once again, how is this a bad idea? I like people are and and, and if it's not a permanent thing, like it's just like saying for people that were going, I'm going to sell my tickets. I want a refund. It's just like, sure, no problem. I'll buy it because I want to. I want to get a chance to it's say I was there. I thing. saw it. Yeah, I saw it when Eric Clapton filled in for David Gilmore. You know what I mean on the, on that Pink Floyd tour, on the Wall tour, because Dave, you know, broke his wrist or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Dave couldn't play for five weeks. So because Eric's a buddy of his, Eric filled in and was playing the solos for Comfortably Numb. And it's like, dude, I was there. I seen, you know, and it was amazing because Eric did the best job. You know, Eric was like doing the best job he could. And Dave was on the side of the stage watching. It was like mind blowing, you know? So, I mean, how is that a bad thing? I just, 
please remind me why <laughs> it's a bad thing we have Captain America Brady quarterbacking our team or <laughs> Joe Montana. Just, just stop. Yeah, I have to admit that I was a bit skeptical at first, but then when when he hit the <clears> stage <throat> and I heard that that first shriek and him really belting that out, I I was absolutely. I knew wrong. he'd kill it. I I knew I knew you would. I set so. the black label Vegas odds at completely in his favor for a unanimous decision. <laughs> good good bet. And uh, you know, with with ACDC, we've got Cliff Williams now, who's saying that he's probably going to be retiring uh, after, and actually in the very near future, it seems like, and that would only leave Angus as one of the, the primary members. Would you still like to see ACDC go on uh, just with Angus and without the rest of the guys? Well, I mean, I, I know what you're saying in regards to uh, in regards to that. So, I mean, you know, I, I know. It's just like somebody saying, well, what would happen if, you know, the Stones were still going and it was just Keith up there? Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. So I, I guess, but I mean, well, then you could say, well, then I guess they should have stopped after Bond passed away. Yeah, good point. I mean, there could uh, always there be you go. Guy. You could just say they should have just stopped then. And I mean, then you never would have got Back in Black and all these other amazing albums that they wrote after that. So, because uh, it's not like they haven't done this before. I mean, they filled uh, the yeah, shoes so with I Bond mean, Scott. They did it successfully. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, but I, I get it because you know, you know. You know, because I got some of my buddies that are huge ACDC guys that are just like, dude, he goes, there's nobody in the band left. You know what I mean? Or whatever, if Cliff walks away or whatever. You know what I mean? So I I get that. But I mean, it, you know, like I said, if we manage Angus and he's like, I still want to, I want to still keep making music. I just wrote a whole ton of new riffs and a whole ton of new songs. Yes. Yeah. And we manage him. The whole thing is it would be like, well, you want to keep rolling. Let's, let's keep this thing going. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? I, I don't know. I mean, I, I support him. Either way, if he if, if they were just going to stop altogether, but if Angus wants to keep going, I support him too because he's, and mean, he's a, a legendary young, guy. I mean, he's awesome. So you know, and they have a lot of young fans too. So there's other fans who haven't had a chance to really see ACDC. They could be seven, eight years old, and if it's only Angus Young, they're going to go. I want to see Angus Young play ACDC songs. Yeah, to them, it's, I, they're going to go see ACDC live and to keep that up as long as you can to make sure oh, well we'll see what we'll, it'll be interesting it. to see how it plays out then yeah you know absolutely. what I mean? I mean who knows maybe axel will become the permanent singer man man imagine that <laughs> you never know <laughs> i mean yeah you know you never know man so uh, yeah it'll, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out then all right it's rocker versus writer time today the topic is the Aussie era versus the Dio era of Black Sabbath. Our guest, Zach Wild, will be taking the side of the boss, Ozzy Osbourne, our writer, Joe DeVita, Saint Dio. But to me, it's just a weird thing with the, uh, with, with that, that debate, you know, I mean, because we love, you know, Saint yeah. Ronnie over there and, and, you know, with us, but I mean, the whole thing is when they called it because to me, I always said when Eddie Trunk, when me, me and Father Trunk were talking, he just goes, you know, because he was saying with the Dio years, he goes, I thought we're just, I go, but this, the sound changed so dramatically and drastically. I mean, none of it, it was, it was pretty much the best thing that could have happened for both of them. It was almost like you hit the reset button on both of them, on Ozzy and, and, you know, Geezer and Tony and Bill. It's just like you hit the reset button and all this freshness just came 
out again. You know, Ozzy with Randy and then with St. Rhodes over there. And when St. Ronnie joined Tony and Geezer and Bill. So it was just like, but the music was so drastically different than when, when the boss was in Sabbath. Mm-hmm. Like Neon Knights and Children of the Sea. And I I mean, I'm just saying, it was just Lady Evil. I mean, I love those records. But I mean, when they changed, I, I just told, but I told Father Ed, I go, all right, well, then I guess Ozzy should have just called Blizzard of Oz Black Sabbath. I go, does okay. that sound like Sabbath to you, Crazy Train? And he was just like, none at all. And I go, exactly. So that when I listen to those Sabbath records, to me, it's a whole different band. And I go, oh, and by the way, Father Ed, what is the name of Sabbath right now? With the with Saint Ronnie, heaven and hell. I go exactly. So that's enough of that. Now, can you get me an espresso, please? I win this bet. So that's that. <laughs> no, if they would have just changed it to heaven and hell right from the get go, it's a brand new. It really sounds like a brand new band. It doesn't sound like Black Sabbath carrying like ACDC sounds like ACDC when after you know Saint Bond. It's just amazing now how many saints we got over here. You know, what yeah, I mean? it's like all these yeah. awesome guys are gone. But I mean, but uh. ACDC, the, the the sound of the band really didn't change. You, you know what I mean? Like when you bit into that burger, it still tasted like a McDonald's burger. Sure. You know what I mean? Like you, even though it had new ownership, it's just like, wow, it still tastes like McDonald's. Like they didn't change the, the, the formula. You know what I'm saying? So it was just, you know, Brian came in, but the band is still sounding like the band. I mean, Van Halen kind of sounded a bit different. You know, I mean... Eddie's guitar tone changed and everything, and then the music was more uh, mainstream, I guess, if that's what you want to call it. But I mean, you know, and Ed was playing more keys, you know, because he just wanted to do something different. I mean, how many more times can he change the guitar world and the universe? You know what I mean? I mean, each record he was doing it, you know what I mean? So it was just like, oh, I'm going to try something different from that. You know, it just keeps evolving. But I mean, uh, uh, and you know, but you also have that camp divided too. You have the the date, the Dave years, and the Van Hagar years. You know what I mean? So, sure. and and it is funny, whenever you talk to someone who who's younger that grew up on Van Hagar, and then they had to go backwards. You know what I mean? They go, oh, I didn't know about this stuff. You know what I mean? And it's interesting when you hear it. And the same thing with Aerosmith. <clears throat> when you hear people, you, you, there's people, the younger kids, they know about them from loving the elevator on. And then you have, you know, King, you know kings and queens and guillotines and, and dream on era Aerosmith fans you know what I mean sure <clears throat> that prefer that so yeah I, you know I mean it's a debate that could go on and on and on but I mean but, but to me like at the end when they changed it to heaven and hell I would have been fine with that right from the beginning anyways because it's it, mob rules and heaven and hell sound like, it's a brand new band man just like how Oz mm-hmm. was it was a brand new band with Ozzy I think in terms of context though when we go to define heavy metal and Black Sabbath being labeled as you know the inventors of heavy metal they are that the ronnie james dio era really affirmed that status because in the 70s defining heavy metal you know you had led zeppelin you had deep purple you had the bands who were really rocking harder than the other ones and then you had it's still very riff oriented rock and totally. which was what tony iomi was doing and it was down tuned and the down tuning really kind of signified something yeah, no, different. I mean, the downtown is fine and all, but and I mean, you, if he was still playing an A440 and he's playing Into the Void, it's what he wrote. It's those riffs, man. I mean, yeah, that's, down that tuning, riff is one of the heaviest down tuning is low and I, I get it because mm-hmm. it just sounds heavier sonically. But if he was still A440 and playing Into the Void on an acoustic guitar, 
that's still like the heaviest riff that it would have sounded written. doomy yeah and it's just it's mm-hmm. an amazing riff so you know but no nah, it's just um yeah to me yeah i mean they they created a genre of music like how you have jazz you have blues you have classical you have rap you have you know whatever genre of music it is sabbath is like its own genre of you know music I mean, it really, in a way, because like you could say, "Oh, what, do, what does this band sound like?" It's like it's kind of like got classical elements in it, and it's like Sabbathy, you know. So yeah, you, you already look, know what your what kind of style of music it is. Yeah, you have like all the stoner doom bands. Like, usually, you don't want to copy a band, but in the stoner doom realm, the whole point is to get as closest to Black Sabbath as possible. So, I mean, that's kind of says that they are their own genre like that. But when we're looking at how we defined heavy metal during its origin we have the 70s where really if we're going to talk about metal bands we're talking about black sabbath and judas priest so obviously you know priest bringing well, I mean, in the twin i mean guitar. to me metal really is i'd have to say judas priest though is more metal than black sabbath i agree wow i mean sabbath is more blues and stuff like that I, you know and tons more blues and, I mean, and heavy riff rock. priest is just straight priest is, to me is the defining metal band if you know i'm talking heavy metal because they bring the twin guitar attack from bands like Wishbone Ash, and they put it against that heavier riffing style. Like you look, you listen to Sad Wings, and to me, I, I think that is the first absolute pure. Yeah, I mean, like heavy metal you know, the album. early the early pre stuff. But even when I was talking with uh with Father Glenn over there when we when we when we did that run with him with Black Label, uh, like he was saying, I'm, I'm trying to think with the defining moment. Like he was like Zach, well, we truly found ourselves, and we we knew who we were. You know, so like even mm-hmm. with like with Pantera, with saying Dime, you know, like when they when they were developing and, and all the bands that we love, when they're developing and all of a sudden they, and then they finally find who they are and and what what they are, you know what I mean? And, and then it's like good now we got we got the formula for the soup now, you know what I mean? It's just perfect now. There's a, the perfect amount of hot sauce in there, cilantro and and you know the chicken's really good. It's just like mm-hmm. a, it's a really great soup. Mm-hmm. So, um, no, but I you know when they. You know, like even with, with British Steel, with Grinder and all that stuff, and then but like when they screaming for vengeance, it's oh just, god, so it, good. It, I mean, that's like a, the probably the the most classic heavy. I mean, as far as heavy metal goes, yeah. nineteen eighty two. Somebody asked you what's heavy metal, you hand up screaming for vengeance, without a doubt. I mean, there's not. I mean that that's like the Back in Black, the Zeppelin Four, mm-hmm. the they're paranoid you know what i mean of of defining moments you know their white album or, or sergeant peppers whatever you know what i mean I, where it's just like a classic record from beginning to end yeah i mean and the songs are amazing and you know it's it's it, the production the, the the performances it's just all like the stars align and it's just it's perfect right. well when it comes to the like the ozzy versus dio <clears throat> argument where do you think uh, pure vocal chops lies in that argument because I think a lot of people would say that Dio is probably the better pure singer, even though from a if technical they, standpoint, yeah, even if they prefer the Aussie material and maybe even the Aussie approach of that doomy kind of uh, creepy sort of singing. So where, yeah, but where I mean, but then from? other people say you know like with Sammy and the Dave debate. I mean, don't tell me Dave can't sing either. You know what I mean? It's just like, it's just a different thing. You know what I mean? And I mean, with, with singers too, it's a different thing too. I mean, because, uh, I mean, half the guys we love wouldn't even, 
wouldn't even make it on American Idol. You, you know what I'm, I'm talking? Mm-hmm. Whether it's Bob Dylan, Tom Petty, Bruce Springsteen, any of these cats who, who are legendary artists, like they'd last about two seconds on American Idol, and then they'd get laughed out of the place, and then goodbye, Getty Lee. I mean, any of these guys. That, you um, know that's what I mean? A good point. But you put them in those bands, it's it's lights out, man. So, and that's the big thing know. is that sometimes it's not always about the raw talent that somebody has, but the emotion and attitude that oh, they bring to the that, table it's, too. You got to remember, and, it's what they wrote. Mm-hmm. It's, it's what they wrote, man. And and they performed and everything like that. But it, it's just uh, like Neil Young. It, the writing is beyond ridiculous, man. And I love Neil Young's voice. I, I love Neil Young. So I mean, but the whole thing is probably if Neil Young was on American Idol, it, it, we'd have a he'd have a tough time. You know what I mean? I'm just saying where somebody like Michael Bolton will get up there and kill it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's and he Mike was does. in a metal band too. <clears throat> yeah, that he was. I mean, but I mean, but until Mike found his niche, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then he's crushing. I mean, nobody's undeniable. But I mean, but uh, but yeah, I I think you know. I mean, all the bands that we love and everything like that. It's just it, it like Father Vi said it. He goes, "It's not who's the best. It's what's your favorite." Okay, you know it's the truth, man. What's you know what to I mean? You? Yeah, it's just yeah, it's it's what's your favorite? I mean, what do you, what do you what moves you and what do you like? You know what I mean? So I mean that, that's that's the whole thing, man. But I mean, you know, because I mean, because then it comes down to with a guitar playing, it's like who can play the fastest and who's technically the best and this and that. But it's just like yeah, but who moves you though? You know what I mean? So you know, and that's really what rock and roll metal is about too. Is invoking that primal spirit that's within you and awakening something yeah, that you well, have I mean, put it this way, you, you know, Father DeVille and, and, you know, Pontiff Demiola, or, you know, the Pontiff of the Pentatonics and all things insane mm-hmm. guitar, John McLaughlin, you're going to put him up against Father DeVille. There's no one better in Poison than CC, And that's that. That's No, <laughs> I'm just saying yeah. that is, you know, you want that soup? You'd be eating it going, where's the chicken? I'm missing the chicken in this tomato <laughs> soup. You know what I mean? It just are, you know, pretty, pretty much, CeCe's probably the actual broth. He would have to be the whole yeah, can of tomato native tongue, soup. And, and, and everything else is the ingredients, you know, the rest of the fellas. Mm-hmm. But I mean, no, he's... Al and John would not... He's, poison's not their thing, man. It's not their bag, baby. You know what I mean? But then again, you, no one does Al better than Al, and nobody does John McLaughlin better than John McLaughlin. You know, Mahavishnu and everything like that, and Al doing, you know, Land of the Midnight Sun and all this other stuff. So, you know, like you, like you said, well, yeah, the other guy's technically better, yeah, but I mean, are they going to be able to play, uh, you know, no, I don't know. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Nobody can do it like that guy. There's only one cat that can do that. You know what I'm saying? So, and I mean, like, would you want to hear Jeff Beck? Yeah, Jeff Beck is technically better than Keith, but does that matter when Keith hits the chords to start me up in front of 120,000 people at a stadium? Yeah, I think exactly. That's, I think that speaks to stuff. No, but like that's the, the end of the argument. Uh, you know, I think I think we know. I mean, Keith, Keith, Keith will go. Oh, you're going to put me in a, in a steel cage match against Jeff Beck? It's like who do I need to beat up over here? I made this fight happen. You know what I mean? So, but you know, Jeff Beck will say the same thing. He just goes, "No," he goes, "But there's nobody better than the Stones than Keith." You know what sure. I'm saying? I mean, mm-hmm. it's just like there's nobody better in Guns and Roses than Slash. Hands down, man. I mean, it's just like who else is going to write those amazing solos? 
for November Rain and Sweet Child of Mine and, and all those great songs. So, you know, that's it, man. Well, Joe, what do you have so. to say about, uh, about vocal chops in the in the Dio um, argument? I think both singers are integral to each other when we look at Black Sabbath and defining heavy metal because part of metal, you know, is the real flashy guitar work and all the over-the-top excess, but it's also about attitude. And what Ozzy brought to the table was the attitude. He, I, I believe he was the first real heavy metal singer because he had this shaky trembliness to his voice. It made you feel uncomfortable. It felt dangerous. You weren't sure what you were listening I'll to. Just and his, it definitely his felt voice evil. sounds really, really lonely. He has a really lonely sounding mm-hmm. voice. So, and isolation's <clears> a huge <throat> theme. In yeah, lyrics. you add that with 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 the music you know the riffs that tony's writing and 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 all this stuff and and geezer uh it's it's just like peanut butter and jelly man you know Mm -hmm. what i mean and so it's just a perfect combination and some people would argue uh nutella and peanut butter (laughs) i guess that would have to be saint dio you know what i'm saying those damn europeans and then you have the peanut butter and jelly but i mean but the whole thing is uh but no i just um i think that's why it just works so well, you know. So, and nothing for nothing. When when Saint Rhodes came into the into the picture with with the boss, the reason why that soup worked so well is because Randy didn't like Black Sabbath. No, I'm just <laughs> saying, like he didn't come in there and try and, and come in there with Sabbathy sounding riffs. riffs. You know what I mean? It, it came in with this whole fresh, wild lead guitar <clears> playing. Well, it, was like, it had nothing to do with Black Sabbath at all. You know, like I don't know. You know, dan, jigga, 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 dan, jigga. I mean, it, it's it, it's like wow, this is the new stuff. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Which is, I think, is the reason why that soup worked so well, is because he, Randy's coming from a whole completely different zip code, man. So, uh, but no, it's just um, yeah, I, I think Ozzy's voice, and then you know, I remember always asking the boss, you know, because when you listen to Ozzy's voice from the first album, as it's going on. It either starts getting higher and mm-hmm. he's pushing more and everything like that. So by the time it got the sabotage, I was like, because I'll, I'll put that vocal performance up against probably the one of the hands down top three greatest vocal rock performances. He's brilliant of all time, without a doubt. His his vocals on sabotage are beyond stellar. There's, there's just the blues licks he has in his voice. The, the rasp in his voice and, and how much he's pushing and the emotion and everything like that. Hands down, I'd put it up against any all his peers. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Whether it's Ian Gillen, Robert Plant, all the guys, you know, Ronnie, St. Ronnie, and then, you know, all the guys. I mean, that, that are known for having amazing vocal chops. Hands down, I'd put Oz's, uh, I'd put that in the ring against mm-hmm. anybody. But the whole thing is, uh, I remember asking the boss, I said, Oz, <laughs> what were you like? Taking vocal, you know, doing vocal exercises before these takes, but he goes, No, Zach, that was just there's lots of drugs and alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> wow, it does work. You know what I mean? So uh but no, it's just um but yeah, his vocal performance on specifically on that album. I mean, I love him on on all the records, but like how we were saying, how you hear things of all your favorite artists, how they evolve, you know, and how they start changing and morphing and, and stuff like that. Uh from the first first album up to Sabotage, but I, I I Sabotage hands down his vocals are just beyond stellar on that on that just 
the whole thing, man. Now, the one issue with his performance on that and on Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath, is that sometimes it couldn't be replicated live, and they had to restrict their set list. Well, yeah, I think it's just because it, you know, but I always say this, though, man, the, the records are forever. Mm-hmm. You know, live performances are live performances. You know, you give it the best shot you got every night, but you, like you said, you know, me, even me yeah. singing, I mean, you know, if you're not getting sleepy or sick or whatever, you go out there and give it your best shot, but, you know, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in the records, you can get it till it's it's stellar you know i mean like you know us doing a broadway musical is one thing but if we're going to film a movie then we can get it dialed into i'll have you guys shoot the scene 50 times until we get that one take that's just magic you know what i mean because and then the you know when we sit back and watch the movie 20 years from now it's like dude this thing came out great you know what i mean and Mm -hmm. it'll stand the test of time so i mean the same thing with you know father plan over there i mean you know it's just those records are forever and, you know, about it, you know, if Robert couldn't hit those notes back in 73 or whatever, you know, because if he wasn't getting sleep or just, you know, sick or whatever, the records are forever, man. Well, speaking... You know, and, and, and he captured it. So, you know, that, that's that, that's my take on all that sure. stuff. Well, speaking of records, let's talk about the new era of Black Sabbath when it comes to the Heaven and Hell record versus the 13 record. Like, Joe, what do you, what do you think about those two? Uh, personally, I prefer the Heaven and Hell record. Um, I just think it's a little bit more imaginative, and I think Iommi's riff writing is better on that one. I think the issue really with 13 was that Rick Rubin guided them into writing a follow-up to Black Sabbath, which we all know they wrote Paranoid. So if you're going to put yourself in the mindset to try to forget that you wrote those songs that yeah, are but so you know, ingrained. You can't, so, you know, you can't, you just can't go back i'm just all i'm saying is it's it's you're here now mm-hmm. and you do today's today man you know i i i can't make anybody do what they did you know it's just like all right we're gonna produce and we're buddies with all the guys and guns and now that they do this tour and it's crushing they sound amazing and it's just like you're getting chills here and all the classic stuff and you go sit the guys down and we manage them and we're gonna work and they, we go guys Think appetite. What was going through you? And you go, we already did that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it would be great if we can come up with another November rant. We already did that. How about, you know what? How about this mindset? After we did Sweet Child of Mine and you were all asking for another Sweet Child of Mine and I handed you November rain, you were all like crapping your pants when you heard that one. You were like, this thing is incredible, man. It's like, yeah, we were already done with uh, Sweet Child of Mine. And then after Sweet Child of Mine, we gave you patience and you were all pissing your pants over that one. And you were like, wow, this is like really great. <laughs> There's like, exactly. Balance. It has nothing to do with Sweet Child of Mine. Mm-hmm. Very so true. what I'm just saying is you can't, you, you can't do that. You, you, I mean, any, any of our favorite artists that we love, you know, whether it's Robert Plant and Jimmy Page and John Paul Jones are going to get together and work on a new record with, with, you know, with Father Jason over there. And it's like, well, let's just think Led Zeppelin too. It's like, no, how about... Let's start fresh. Yeah, before I knock your teeth out, why don't you leave? (laughs) You know what I mean? I'm like, you know, exactly. Why don't you put the bell bottoms on again, you know, and then go out there with Oz and do that. No, and shave the beard, you know, so you look like you're, you know, 21, 22 years old again. It's like, no, I like being 49 years old, bro. And I like the beard. You think the beard's hairy? You ought to see my balls and my ass hair. So, you know what I mean? It's, just, it's, it's a forest down there, brother. 
It's what? a production when the immortal <laughs> beloved wants to get down there and tend to affairs. <laughs> now, what, <laughs> she, has, she has to put on a whole outfit and everything going down there, man. It's, 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 it's a whole production. But I mean, no, the thing is you can't, you know, you can't. I mean, that then was then, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Even like your mindset. I mean, it's just like you want to go back to high school. It's like, no, I, dude, I had a blast when I was in high school. I'd rather be sitting here talking to you. Exactly. No, but I mean, <laughs> uh, and I'm sure when you when you talk to Oz and the fellas and Tony and Geezer and Jimmy Page and Robert Plant and John Paul Jones, they go, dude, it was awesome. But like, I'm here now, man. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And Robert Plant will go, hey, did you hear my new record? You know, he's excited about what he's doing oh, now. Sure. Yeah. He's not sitting here like mm. talking about what he did. Yeah, he's just like, dude, man, I killed it on that song, didn't I? You know, I mean, dude, did you hear Cashmere, bro? It's badass. I mean, you know, it's just like, yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What I did like about 13 was the return to the themes of the loneliness and the isolation. Um, like, you know, they had the song The Loner. Um, but I think that's what really what resonated with uh, Black Sabbath for a lot of people was that they well, I, I think they, they feel this in the lyrics. Yeah, and that's really I, one I of the biggest it, I think, movers. I think with, with, the, with the 13 record, I think it's just awesome that uh, all our favorite bands and our artists that really created this whole genre of music, whether it's uh, Ozzy and Tony and Geezer getting back together and, and Robert Plant and John Paul Jones and Jimmy Page getting together and doing stuff. Like our heroes and our favorite bands, it's just you just want to hear them again. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. I mean, and and it, it, and we'll take the ride with them no matter what it is they where they're at and what they're doing. It's like here, this is where we're at now. Here's the new stuff. Just like when they were when they were in their prime, just doing it. You know, it was like oh, the new record's coming out. You know what I mean? And it's just like oh, cool man. Here comes you know, volume four. I can't wait to get it. You know what I mean? When it when it was happening. You know what I mean? After mm-hmm. after the third record, after you know. After they put out Masters of Reality, you know, when all of a sudden here comes Volume Four, it's like, oh wow, can't wait to check it out, you know. And then, but it was just like Ozzy always said, he goes, when we were making those records, it was almost kind of like stump the chump, you know. What I mean, it was kind of like see if they could, if Tony could outdo himself what he did on the last record. Yeah, that's last what they would say. Press. They just challenge him to yeah, just, no, it was hey, just, write a better riff than well, the they, last they would, one. Write a better you know, riff it wasn't and, that they were challenging him, but it was yeah. just like he said, it was always interesting to see if he could beat last record's bench press. You know what I mean? It was like a 500-pound bench press that no one had ever done before. You know, no one crossed the 500-pound barrier. And now Tony comes in with a 530-pound bench press for the new album. You know, it's like, oh my God, he did it again. You know what I mean? So, like Ozzy was just like, you know, after volume four, Supernaut and all this other stuff, then all of a sudden he comes in in with Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath. You know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. it's just like, oh my God. You know, it's just like, like he topped himself again. You know I mean? Like, it, it just quality stuff all the time you know what yeah. I mean so uh and in such a short period with the heavy touring schedule all the drugs that they did and they still managed to somehow pull it all together not only write but write incredible albums I mean like I saw something like a shirt that said uh I only trust myself in the first six first Black six Sabbath albums yes. like <laughs> I mean those <laughs> so what's the matter you don't like technical ecstasy and never say die it's <laughs> <laughs> like I mean, I like those records, you know what I mean? I definitely the Dark Horse albums, but I mean, mm-hmm. I, I still dig them. I mean, I, you know, I mean, if you're if you're a fan of any of the bands, any artist that you love and that you dig, you take the ride with them, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, so it's just like, you know, people could say, uh, you know, whether with, you know, with Zeppelin, it's like the Presence album or whatever, you know what I mean? Because it's, it's more of a Dark Horse album just because it's more 
just riff orientated and just mm-hmm. like jams. So I mean, but uh, or certain albums, you know, like Technical Ecstasy and Never Say Die. It's just uh, I, I still because when I got those records, I still love them. I I love Never Say Die, and I remember I come home from school and put it on. And, you know, and smash my man roof, <laughs> plow my prostate, and, you know, make sure I was regular and made my day better. So you know, it brought joy and inspiration into my life. So yeah, that's what I, whenever I hear those records, that's what it, it, my, it just transports me right in time, right to my bedroom and, and the fisting begins. Oh, you know, so, uh, exactly. Right. And with that, that's Rocker versus Writer. We want to thank you both so much for your very knowledgeable arguments uh we want to know what you all think who do you think is the better singer who had the better argument what do you think altogether? let us know in the comments section below and on that but on that note of of the uh of saint ronnie and the boss with oz one thing you could say who whatever but one thing that both have in common is pure awesomeness Absolutely. And that's the end of that one. Yeah, for sure. Well, I want to end this with some of my favorite Zach Wilde moments of all time. One of which... There's only... Wait, hold on a second. Let's look at that list. Actually, there's nothing on it. <laughs> well, I dug, I dug deep, dude. I dug real deep. I, that's what I do with, with the Immortal Lover, with Barb. I, you know, she goes... Give me five things you love about me. And And when she goes, I go, okay. And I name all the things I love. You know, I go, your beautiful green eyes. They're blue, by the way. Your your beautiful, (laughs) luscious lips. Your two supple, yearning breasts. <laughs> That's four, right? Okay. <laughs> I guess we'll tie it into one. You know, your, your, your kung fu grip <laughs> and, and the luscious ass that I love. Yes. <laughs> so I go, what's your list, sweetie? What's the five things you got? And she goes... I'm still working on it. <laughs> so she goes, you can go out for an espresso with the fellas. I'll, I go, Bob, this list is about three years old. I mean, come on. What? We're waiting for the Mets to win another World Series. <laughs> Maybe close. Right. I'm waiting on the Jets for a Super Bowl. So. Or a Jets Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah, I guess we can go with that one. Oh, we missed. Oh, oh, missed the high five. There you go. There you go. I guess but, it's Richard Todd coming back. <laughs> one, one of my favorite moments growing up was on that MTV show Battle for Ozfest where uh, one of the contestants, I guess you could say, took the jacket of Big Dave, one of Ozzy's main crew guys, one of his black label jackets that you gave him personally, put it on in front of everyone. Everyone went nuts and then somebody got to you about it and you railed into him and basically threatened that if the cameras weren't on, you would have killed him. So like... Back then, uh, what kind of offense is that? Because I know that your your black label uh, family is that. It really family. had nothing to do with the vest at all. No, and, um, no. He took a sip off of my um, my espresso. That's what he did. And yes, it was uh, tied in with my Odin Force, and um, I had found out he had cooties, and uh, <laughs> I couldn't have that syphilis, gonorrhea, and lice. No problem. You give me cooties. Big Dave's gonna whoop your ass. <laughs> but that was a scary moment on that show, really. Like you, you and a bunch of big other dudes confronting. Well, it was people. a scary moment for me, and um, because contracting cooties uh, really <laughs> doesn't work well with my 
inner thigh gap and bringing the J-Lo sexiness to the stage. <laughs> but that really like, is that, was that like really an ass kickable offense? Like either back in the day or, or still to this day to touch someone's... To- still to this day, if you mess with my thigh gap and <laughs> my sexosity, it's all about the art. I do this for the art. We know that's absolutely a book of shadows too. Very artsy, very beautiful. As I've said many, many times, makes me feel. And many another feelings. thing that works very well with success is payola. I'll give you that hundred bucks after <laughs> yes, this as exactly. well. This is, this is radio after all. We're going back to the old days. Uh, and I have no shame with payola. It gets results. <laughs> no, this is this is being recorded. Uh, another one of my favorite ever moments is back when you first. Uh, hooked up with Ozzy and you were both on a plane together, both in uh, greatly altered states and you're being interviewed by this guy. And it seemed like neither of you guys could get a word out when he's asking you these questions. Well, I mean, I was just, you, you wouldn't even have to have the cocktails flying at that point. I mean, it was, it's a miracle anything ever got done to begin with. <laughs> you know, I'm just saying when you're rolling with the boss, I yeah. mean, it's just, it really is a miracle anything ever got done because it would just be comedy at yeah, all times. Always, yeah. Without a doubt. Oz would be a phenomenal writer for that. <laughs> You'd be on the floor crying, just literally dying, dude. Oh. I mean, I, how hysterical it is, man. I mean, but it's like a miracle, like I said, we ever got any work done, man. <laughs> I remember Alex Skolnick was in here the other day and he was telling us back when, with his very brief stint with Ozzy, when they were practicing, he was talking about Ozzy uh, speaking about the OJ trial as it was happening and he called it like the funniest, greatest thing that he's ever heard from Ozzy. It was just compl- <laughs> complete comedy. Can you imagine that? Ozzy just talking about the OJ trial during band practice. What it is, right? I remember... Uh, we were just telling buddy the other day about uh with the boss when we were i think we were, we were working on rehearsals going i forget where we were touring but uh all i remember was uh oh this is when father trio was in the band it was oh it was, yeah, yeah. yeah it was mikey and 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 father robert over there so uh all i remember we were down at uh at rehearsals and this guy comes in with a briefcase and, and we're like we don't know who this guy is you know and it's just like we're looking at him we're like who's this dude and they're like and oz is like but oh you know, he's like, Sharon got to be a vocal coach. So, you know, this vocal coach is going to come. So, so this guy comes in and we're like, wow, I was just going to get a vocal coach. Okay. You know what I mean? So, I mean, and you know, mom is just always trying to do the best thing to help him and make sure that, you know, we're getting ready to win another Super Bowl. So, yeah. you know what I mean? So it's just, you know, so she's bringing in the vocal coach, you know, just to try and make sure our Joe Montana is still you just working on his throwing arm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that, that he's, he's throwing properly. So no sidearm stuff, just over overhand. You know what I mean? Just throwing properly. Spirals, no ducks, the whole nine yards. So yeah. anyways, uh, the guy at the vocal coach is like, uh, which one is Zach? I, I go, that would happen to be me. And I, I, he just goes, uh, well, what key is flying high in and uh, flying high again? I go, well, we, we tune a whole step down. So that would be like G. So if that's, you know, you got the fourths over there, you probably need a C on that little tuning thing you got there. So, you know, he's, he's blowing into this thing, right? <laughs> so mind you, the volume that we're playing with in this rehearsal room, I mean, it's a stage volume. I mean, it's beyond sense around in there. And then you walk into... Ozzy World, Oz's monitors, it you're like that movie Scanners when a guy's head just explodes. <laughs> yes. You walk exactly. in there and you don't know what's coming. That's the results you will get. I mean, just boom, you know what I mean? So anyways, uh, that's the volume we're playing at. This guy 
It's got his little tuning thing over there that you got to blow in, though. Yeah, the yeah, little, little tuning thing, yeah. pitch key thing there. So he's going to hit a C on here while we're playing Flying High again. So I'm like, good luck with that. So Father <laughs> Mike is bashing away on drums. We all come in together. And then uh, Oz is singing. And as we get to the mama's going to worry, I've been... He's looking, blowing into this horn, looking at Oz, telling him to sing like higher, like a pitch higher. And Oz is like looking at him like, I have no idea what this guy's talking about. <laughs> and like, at this point, we're all like, nobody's saying, you know, trying not to laugh. And I mean, uh, you know, Mo, who's taking care of my fiddles at the time, he just holds up a sign. I turn back and look at him and he goes, if this guy's a, if this guy's a vocal coach, my ass is a bazooka. You know what I mean? So, I mean, the whole thing is, I'm like, we're all crying, man. But the whole thing is the guy, anyways, the guy leaves. And Oz goes, eh, well, I guess she's, she's just means well to get a vocal coach, but it's... It's kind of a little late in the game, isn't it? Don't you think? <laughs> what year was this? Oh, it had to be, I don't know, you know, maybe 2007 or something. Oh, you know, wow. It was when Robert was still in the band, you know, before yeah. he started playing with Metallica and everything like that. So, yeah, it was, it was, it was awesome comedy. But that, but once again, with the boss. It's kind of a little late in the game <laughs> for just... vocal coaches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going to get the vocal coach for Joe Montana. He's just won four Super Bowls, but we're going to get a quarterback coach in for him. You yeah, know what I mean? Back to the fundamentals. But once again, I love mom. You know, she's just doing the best she can to make sure he's all that he's kicking ass. So, I mean, but it's it's awesome. Yeah, always. I want to thank you so much for stopping by, Zach. You're truly, truly one of our favorite people to come in and talk to. <laughs> and I'll give always. you, the, I'll give you that hundred bucks when yeah. I walk out of here as well. We'll, we'll get the payola. Once again, payola works off the air. I do, <laughs> I do want to tell people, please go listen to Book of Shadows too. Again, no payola. I'll give you this one for free. Beautiful, beautiful. Album. Yeah, it's, it's just one of those mellow records, you know, when yeah. you want to just, you know. You know, fist yourself and blast one off. You know what I mean? <laughs> you put on Book of Shadows too. I, I tell you, after I listened back to the playback, I just looked at myself in the mirror and just started making out with myself right in the mirror. And then the fisting began. And I said, put that album on repeat. <laughs> yes. So if you want to go fist yourself uh, in person, go see Zach. Uh, Guns N' Roses in Arizona, August 15th. Also, he'll be playing with Black Label Society at OzFest Meet not fest september 24th many other tour dates go check it oh, out we'll be doing some zach sabbath stuff too i guess with our, with our clutch oh. brothers yeah it's gonna be that'll be a good time go check it out zach thank you so much again we appreciate it thanks for having me my brothers it's always about the man route with zach wild isn't it always it always goes in the man route <laughs> It always starts with the man route. It's in the middle. It's at the end. It's like breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It is like that's a full meal, and we are very happy. Thank you so much, Zach, for coming in. We appreciate you. And, uh, you know, I thought you brought up some awesome points when it came to the rocker versus writer. Yeah, that was a lot of fun, especially getting his perspective from a guy who grew up as these albums came out versus me, who's kind of looked back on the whole discography as a collective. He's talking about you know technical ecstasy and never say yeah. die like, you know i like parts of those records too but he's not a lot of guys are really gonna champion those records but it's he was there when they came out and you know they say a new black sabbath album, black sabbath album's coming out and you're gonna go buy it and you're gonna go listen to it a hundred times and it's gonna stick with you regardless yeah of course and he's talking about being transported back to his room as a kid 
uh, listening to the new Black Sabbath. And that's one perspective that we just don't have, us being in our 20s. You know, the only albums by Black Sabbath that we've really been around to see their release uh, are 13 and Heaven and Hell. Yeah, I mean, there's Forbidden and stuff when we were little, but I don't think a six-year-old me could have handled no, Ice T and Black Sabbath together. No. <laughs> I'd, I wouldn't be sitting here, I can tell you that. Would have blown my little mind, of course. So we want to thank you so much for tuning in to the first Loudwire podcast. We're going to be bringing more of these to you very shortly. We want to know what you think. In the comments section, let us know what you think. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button on YouTube. Hit it. Hit it. Hit it. Also, loudwire.com, your number one source for everything hard rock and metal. Check us out. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. Download this podcast on iTunes. Put it in your pocket. Put it in your iPod. Bring it with you wherever you go. Thank you again. We're out. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go.